So we have to go to the inside of, of one another. And marriage is about that, really. It's not about the infatuation. It's about making an arrangement to help one another get through life and to get to the conclusion of life, to reach the goal of life, actually, which is Krishna consciousness. So the more we go deeper into one another, and the more we come to that which is our foundation, our self, our soul, what we're really about, we should try to arrive at that. And the way to go there is that we have to incrementally, step by step, through sacrificing. And that means on every level. Krishna consciousness is not just in the temple, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Whenever we see a t- selfish tendency in ourselves, we should curb that. The whole world works mystically in this way. Mystically. By giving, you get. By giving, you get. We have to learn that simple lesson. And when you fully give yourself, that you get Vrindavan. You get the full picture. You get Vishwam Purnam Sukhaita. You get the whole world as an abode of joy. You can interact with everything. Hmm? Without any a negative consequence. You can become more attached to a thing in your household, apparently, than Krishna. And that was a situation for Mother Jasoda. Because the whole life was centered around Krishna. Let me explain. In this Leela, Damodar Leela, Krishna's quite young, but he's at the age where he's beginning to crawl and get around a little bit. So... Naturally, he ventured, whenever he could, outside of the immediate area of his mother's concern. You know that Krishna wore a little bell around his stomach, tied around. And you can find it today, you go to the Indian village, you can find all the little kids have a little string with a bell. Just like we keep our cows, Bhumi and Dharma, with a little bell. So that if we don't hear the bell for a while, we start to worry. Maybe they wandered off too far. That's the idea. It's a security system. <laughs> the bell. So Krishna had a little bell, but he'd, he'd wander a little too far, and she wouldn't hear the bell, and she'd go and look, and there he was in some neighbor's yard. And the neighbors had a lot to complain about. Krishna was just, uh, at this time, just starting to, as I say, venture out and... Uh, being by nature a cow herder, then he would create mischief. He would open the cow pen, let the calves out, pretend the calves were cows and the little baby goats were calves. Hmm? And himself as a cow herder with his friends. And then they'd open the gate, like I say, and the cows would get out and other people would have to go and chase after them. And he'd create mischief in this way and steal butter and yogurt and cause mischief. So when Mother Jashoda would find him having her pride and joy wandered beyond the immediate jurisdiction of her household, then she'd hear all these complaints from the household ladies. Your son did this, your son did that. He lets the cows out. What has he done defending him? He lets the cows out. Well, cows have to get out, she said. <laughs> He's doing you a service. The cows have to get out. We need to keep them penned up all day. Yeah, but he let, they have to go out at the particular time. He lets them out at any time, day or night. Whenever he can get out, he get there, he just opens the gate. Well, then she's defending, why don't you scold him? No, he, he doesn't take very well to that. Uh, then, well, then why don't you, then why don't you pass him? Why don't you give him some milk, some butter, some yogurt? Oh, he won't eat that. Unless it's stolen, he won't take it. 
If he's stolen, it tastes better, he thinks. This is the kind of boy you have. Hmm? Well, then, if, if he's plundering your surplus, then why don't you, uh, why don't you hide it? Put it in a dark place. He glows. He glows in the dark. It doesn't matter. His earrings illuminate, and he can see. Why don't you put it in a high place? But then he gets a bench and goes and makes a hole in the bottom and everything comes out. So all the ladies complaining with joy, great joy. Hmm? Mother Yashoda not accepting, blinded by her love. My son can do no wrong. Not possible. Then they cursed her. You'll see it'll happen in your own house. In your own house it'll happen. Then you'll know. But we're telling the truth. And they're taking great joy in describing the naughty behavior. Krishna. This is very charming. So, Mother Jasoda then, she's concerned. Had to talk with Nanda Maharaj, Nanda Baba. He's, there's a problem. He's going out to other people's houses, they're saying. This is what they're saying. He's going to other people's houses. He's stealing butter, yogurt, milk there. You are the head of the herdsman. Nanda Maharaj, you're the king of the cowherds here. This is, this is your village. You're in charge. You've got 900,000 cows. And you can't get those cows to produce sweet enough milk. In our household, he has to go somewhere else. Oh, no, no, Marge. All right, all right. I'll take care of So he arranged some special grasses hmm? and special cows from the herd, only to graze on those grasses. And that milk, then, would be taken. And that milk, Mother Yasoda, was boiling on the stove to make the sweets for child Krishna. And he started crying. Oh, why not paying attention to me? I'm waking up, come. I'm hungry. So Mother just started coming, giving her breast milk to Krishna. And about halfway through, she, and she's alone. As I mentioned, this leader takes place at the end of the Damodar month, Kartik month, just as we go into Margashirsha, the winter month. And this time of year also we celebrate the Govardhan Puja, Anukut. So this was a, a ritual in the village by oral tradition. There was no Shastra for this, Parampara, this Indra, excuse me, Indra Yagya. Indra Yagya is related to the Govardhan Puja. Krishna stopped the Indra Yagya and said there should be worship of Govardhan. But Indra Yagya was going on at this time of year. So everybody was out helping to arrange for that. And Rohini had been invited to Upananda's house, the brother of Nandamaj, older brother, for some social event with Ram, of course. So Mother Jasoda is a home with Krishna. She's the queen, Rajeshwari, and so she has various assistants and servants that would normally be helping out. She would be breastfeeding Krishna. They would be watching the milk on the stove. But all the tasks were left to her. So while she's nourishing Krishna, feeding him with her breast milk, she remembers, this, oh, the milk is cooking. That's that special milk we gather. And it's going to boil over. So she puts Krishna down. She didn't want to take him with her. He might fall. She puts him down and she goes to tend to the milk. And the devotees, some people, might question what kind of mother is this? There the child wants her breast milk. He's crying. He just woke up. She puts him down, only have a half feeding him, and runs to 
tend the milk on the stove. This is an important philosophical point. That milk on the stove was more dear to her than Krishna. Why? There's a verse in the Purana that this Leela, in this part of the Leela, is fully played out. Parvati asked her husband, Mahadev Shiv, what is the most, uh, best kind of worship? So Mahadev said, Aradhananam Sarvesham Vishnur Aradhanam Param. The best type of worship is the worship of Vishnu, hmm? he said. And she's worshiping Shiva. So she became a little disheartened for a moment. Oh, well, I'm not doing the best thing. Then he said, Tasmat Paratram Devi Tadiyanam Samhacha. But my dear Devi, better than that, still, that's the best, worshiping Vishnu. But better than that is Tadiyanam. Tadiya. Tadiya means that which is dear to Krishna. Tadiya. Devotees are dear to Krishna. Tulsi is dear. Vrindavan is dear. That milk is dear. Hmm? Everything in that household, everything in all the brudge, they're all completely attached to those things in relation to serving Krishna. So she could put down Krishna and run through the milk and be in that, what appears like ordinary consciousness, even negligent with regard to motherhood. And she is our ideal of motherhood in Vatsalya Bhakti. So the idea is somehow to put uh, Krishna in the center. Then we can be attached to all sense objects and interact with them fully without any uh, negative consequences. And to move step by step incrementally in that direction, as I mentioned, this sense of sacrificing. We have to move from selfishness to self-sacrifice, which is a calculation. I should do this. It's the right thing to do. I should make a sac... I'm feeling... Oops. This is a problem. Okay, I'll sacrifice here so that the whole thing can continue. You feel it. You do it consciously. From that oh, to doing it without thinking. Self-forgetfulness. That is love. That is Braj Bhakti. They have forgot the self. What does uh, Bhagavatam say? The highest dharma? Savaipum saparo dharma yato bhakti rahoksajay. Ahoitu kiya pratihata yayatma samprasidati. This is a yayatma samprasidati. By which he is fully satisfied. That is real dharma. Savaipum saparo dharma yato bhakti rahoksajay. Ahoitu kiya. No cause. That means love. There's no calculation. Apartihata. It cannot be stopped. And also love. Nayatmasam prasidati. Madhya exemplifies this kind of love. Vishwana Chakvati Thakur said in his commentary on Damodar Lila, he said, Madhya Shoda, she is the standard of Mahabhagata, of Uttamadikari. This is the standard of Uttamadikari. Now we can appreciate a Kanishtadikari if we think like that, right? Or Madhyamadikari. <laughs> Maliya Shoda is the standard of Uttam Bhakti. This uh, Lila, Damala Lila, there's a very nice statement by Vyas there that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu mentions. That Vyas put this verse in the Damala Lila just for stressing this point that if you want to go to that Braj Lila, there's a way to go there. The verse explains that Brahma couldn't go, Shiva couldn't go, Lakshmi couldn't go. Mahaprabhu said in, in uh, to uh, 
Venkata in South India in their discourse about why Lakshmi couldn't enter the Rasa Leela. He cited this verse from Damodar Leela. Vyasa is explaining that Brahma can't, Shiva can't have, Lakshmi cannot have this kind of love. It's very difficult to get, but the way in which Mother Yashoda has done, it's possible to get this. It it means that you have to change your uh, your body. Your body is your ego, yourself entirely. Lakshmi couldn't enter Rasa dance because she wanted to be Lakshmi still. She wasn't ready to become just a, a cowgirl, a village girl. Lakshmi had, we could say she had a good reason for wanting to remain as Lakshmi. We have no good reason for wanting to remain as we are. <laughs> <laughs> and still we are reluctant to make any change. Such a change we have to make to enter into that Leela. But it means this Leela is about Raghunuga Bhakti. That verse is all about Raghunuga Bhakti. Mahaprabhu said that Vyas put this in the Leela to explain this. You have to follow in the footsteps of the Braj Bhaktas to get that kind of bhakti. Mother Yasoda is such a, such a nice example. And of course then uh, what happened was that uh, Krishna became upset. That upset is expression of his, his love, his affection for her. He broke the pot, still couldn't get anything out, but it was leaking out, going all over the floor. So he entered into the storage, he found a key, he went in, Got inside, closed the latch, locked himself in, so that he's very clever. So the mother didn't so they wouldn't know where he went, but he neglected to to think about everything, being just a child. His footprints were in the butter that <laughs> had already spilled. So she tracked him down, got her own key, went in, and there he is inside, and she's peeking, looking at him, and he's looking everywhere. So far, he's looking with his big lotus eyes. It looks like his eyes will inside his ears and come out the other side. He's looking. Where is she? I don't want to be caught. Really nervous. He's really apprehensive. She'll catch up with me. And she's glimpsing him, charmed at her rebellious son. And he takes the pot, turns it upside down, sits on it, starts distributing the butter to the monkeys, and she pulls a stick and says, All right, enough of it. The monkey jumps and Krishna jumps and runs. And she's running. As long as he's looking straight ahead, she can't catch him. But as much as he looks back, worried, then she gains ground and grabs him by the hand. And then she thinks, she starts chastising him. Why did you, uh, who broke the butter pot? God, God did it. It's God's will. Nothing happens without the will of God. See, even when Krishna lies, he's truthful. <laughs> so, so many questions she asks. He gives very smart answers. She says, well, you have very smart answers, don't you? Yes, I do. And maybe you don't need to be at home. You're so smart. Maybe I don't. And then she becomes overwhelmed with fear, anxiety. He just might run away. Maybe you'll go live in the forest. She pulls a ribbon from her hair, tie him up. In other words, she's thinking, he might leave. Oh, he's so charmed to see that, the measure of her love. She tries to tie him to the uh, mortar with the ribbon in her hair, but it's two inches too short. Meanwhile, all this commotion is going on in her house, and all those village ladies were telling, yes, it'll happen in your own house, then you'll know. 
They're all peering over the wall, just taking great pleasure in, in all of this. And seeing this mystic reality, two inches too short, the ribbon's two inches too short. So she pulls another ribbon and ties it to that, and it's still two inches too short. And then at this point she looks at them and says, hey, why do you stand there? Give me some rope, she says to them. So then they bring some rope and it's tied. And each time she tries to tie him around the belly and it's two inches too short. And Krishna's not getting fatter. He's staying the same size, medium size. Krishna's medium size. It means he's not infinite or infinitesimal in his lila. He's medium size. He's like us, it means. You can grab onto him. Something infinitesimal you cannot grab onto. Something infinite you cannot grab onto. He's medium-sized. He appears in that way. You can catch him. You can grab onto him. But she's trying to tie him. He's getting bigger. and He's not getting bigger and bigger, but the rope, no matter how big it is, it cannot be tied around him. This, of course, these are the kind of things, uh, incidences within the Leela that Mahaprabhu drew his whole metaphysic from. Achintya Veda Veda. He's everywhere but moving. In other words, he's showing in this Leela that, that his form, the form of Krishna, not just the Shakti of Krishna, but the form of Krishna, is all pervasive. Try to think about that. We're somewhere, and Krishna's form is all pervasive. His form itself. He demonstrated this in the Leela because, as I say, he wasn't getting fatter and fatter. That size, no matter all the rope you could bring together, would always be two inches too short. And they gathered so much rope. It's said that the cowherd people, in their spare time, they make rope, because that's the cowherd's business. They gathered all the rope. This became a huge affair in Vrindavan. All the ladies from their houses gathering all the rope and bringing it, laughing and watching that. She's tying it, tying it, tying it. <laughs> He's staying exactly the same size and it's always two inches too short. And she's thinking, this is mystical. That Narayan is always doing wonderful things like Gargamuni said through my son. I, I, he's very, very mystical. But I've got to tie him up somehow or other. <laughs> and she starts to perspire. Their intensity of her necessity to bind him then captured Krishna's attention. And immediately then, when he saw that effort, then... With the original ribbon, she could tie him up. So those two inches mean two things. That we need, if we want to tie Krishna up, if we want to capture Krishna, if we want to love Krishna, we have to make a great effort. And we have to have Krishna's mercy. There's a fine combination. Because when we say, it's all dependent on Krishna's mercy, that's true. But then some people think, well, if Krishna is merciful, I guess I'll, I'll become Krishna conscious. Like I used to sell Prabhupada's books and I'd always meet somebody who said, well, if Krishna wants me to take it, I'll take it. God wants me to take it, I'll take it, right? I said, yeah, he does. <laughs> take it. <laughs> I'm telling you, he told me to tell you to take it. <laughs> well, if I don't take it, I guess he didn't want me to take it. It's like our contractor uh, up at Audarya. When he told me he'd have the bathhouse finished by a certain date and I had some guests coming and so forth a month ahead of time and I kept saying, it's getting a little late, Randy. Um, you know, you've only got three weeks, two weeks, one week, two days. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that done. And then he gets it done about 90%. And then he says to me, well, you know, the way I look at it, Swami, uh, if it's supposed to happen, it's going to happen. 
And if it's not, it's it's not. That's his like spiritual philosophy. I didn't say to him, well, Randy, if you're supposed to get paid, you will. <laughs> and if you don't, I guess you weren't supposed to get paid. So, no, everything depended upon Krishna's mercy, grace. That's a fact. But we have to recognize the grace that is extended to us in the form of the opportunity to apply ourselves in spiritual practice. And then we should apply ourselves in spiritual practices if our success depends on practice rather than grace. That means with that much effort we should practice while knowing I'm only doing this to attract his sympathy. If I get his sympathy, then I can be successful. It's just like I've given an example before. If you're in a, in a forest and you walk into an old well and you fall into the well, how will you get out? Somebody has to come and pull you out, so they'll throw you a rope. And they say, hold on to the rope. So you have to hold very tight onto the rope. But that's not enough. He has to pull you out. And when you get to the top of the well, then you don't say, boy, I really held on to that rope good, didn't I? No, you just say, oh, you saved me. You, you, you. We, we feel entirely as though our salvation was, uh, was an act of, of grace. So as we advance, no matter how hard we, how diligently and attentively we practice, we feel that our progress is a result of mercy. Because the, the gain, even the slightest gain in Krishna consciousness, so far outweighs, this would be our experience, any effort I could have put in, any amount of effort does not warrant this. And that's just a, a little, insight into Krishna, just to touch, to touch the soul, just to touch sattva guna, you would think, oh, that's, that's happy. Higher state of sattva guna, if you touch that, you will feel very blissful. You think, wow, this, I, everything I've done, this is, I, I could have done it a million times more to taste the, what to speak of Krishna consciousness, mukti, prem. So two things. Practice and mercy, those are the two inches. When he saw her practice, she perspired. We are eager to cry. But first we should act in such a way that water will come from other pores of our body. We said, uh, we used to say, scrubbanam, mapanam, shravanam, kirtanam, vishnu smaranam. So, this is about Bhisadanta Sarasati Thakura's idea. Work now, samadhi later. First deserve, then desire, these kind of things. Keep the ideal of Rupa and Raghunath high above our head and focus our attention practically where we will call our progress. We should be happy to know I'm honestly engaged on the path, no matter where I am on it. We should be not so artificially eager to sit down and simply do nam bhajan. Who could have said it better? Dushtamanam to Mikishir Vaishnav. Then our Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada. He could sit down. He got up. He said, Dushtamanam to Mikishir Vaishnav. Oh my mind, what kind of Vaishnava are you? He simply wanted to cheat. What did they call it? That Shidamar said, Kundwala. What is it? Pukuri. Yeah, Pukuri something. <laughs> you have a little pond and you want the whole ocean. So you want the fruit, but you're not ready to climb the tree, plant the seed, grow it, cultivate it, take out the weeds, 
and climb all the way to the top and pluck it down. It's a tr- very attractive idea, all this gradually learned. And so, understandably, we should be charmed and attracted by that. But we should know what it is. It's not a cheap thing. It's very, really, very high. It will take take some time. But we shouldn't be disturbed by that. You know the story of Mukunda, Mahaprabhu's associate. He did something. Mahaprabhu banned him from his company. After some time, the devotees went to see him, feeling compassion for him. And he said, please, you go back and when you see Mahaprabhu, ask him when I will again have his darshan. So they went. They met with Mahaprabhu. Mahaprabhu asked him, so where have you been? We went to see Mukundahwa. What does he say? He only wanted to know one thing, Gaurangadev. When he will again have your darshan? We tell him not for one million lifetimes. Have my darshan. One million lifetime. They were just mortified to hear this, you can imagine. They had to go and bear this news to Mukunda. So as they arrived, Mukunda said, What did Mahaprabhu say? He said, Oh, well, he said, Not for a million lifetimes. And Mukunda began to dance, Haribo, Haribo, in ecstasy. And they said, Why? Did you hear what we said? Not for a million lifetimes. He said, Yes, but I will get, I will get it. He said, I will get it. What is a million lifetimes? That is nothing. I know what is the value of his darshan. So they went back, and Mahaprabhu said, what did he say? He's attached to Mukunda, <laughs> actually, putting on a show, banishing him. Hmm? What did he say? He began to chant and dance in ecstasy that he would get. And Mahaprabhu said, what? Bring him here immediately. A little patience goes a long way. Young lady wants marries, wants to have a child. She has to wait nine months at least. So a little patience. This is important. Enthusiasm and patience combined with conviction. Rupa Goswami has given this formula. Utsaham nishchayadaryat. If we know what it is, we have some get some idea, some sense of what it is, the value of that. Then we'll be happy. Being properly situated on the path, making progress wherever we are in it. Make effort and expect Krishna's grace and the mercy of the Vaishnava. Make a sincere effort. Mother Yashoda began to perspire. We should, we may have to work hard. You may not be able to sit down and chant Hare Krishna and pay attention. And maybe some of you have that experience. You should get busy doing something else. To sit down peacefully, that requires some some purity of heart. Bhakti Devi, as I said, will go to you when you're not pure. But Bhakti proper will not come to you until your heart is pure. Then you can sit and remember Krishna peacefully, authentically. We can try. Like my godbrother, Guru Kripa Maharaj, he, uh, in his, some of his earlier days in Prabhupada's service, he once asked Prabhupada that he wanted to sit and chant. Prabhupada said, yes, you, you can do. So he got a little straw hut in Mayapur and he sat and he was chanting 100 rounds plus a day for a week and two weeks and three weeks. And at three weeks, then he started to, he told me the story. He said, I started, my mind started to drift and I started to think about eating and eating something better, same old thing every day, and this and that. And one thing, the next thing, you know, he couldn't chant, couldn't follow, and so he, anyway, he gave up and went back to Prabhupada and told him what happened. And Prabhupada said, well, try again next year. <laughs> 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 Let's see. So you go and sit now. Hmm? 
So you've heard Krishna consciousness from so many people and so many topics, high topics, low topics, from beginning to end for years. So now you go. Strip yourself of all the trappings that are supporting you and allowing you to think that you're a devotee, <laughs> maybe a good devotee, nice devotee, maybe a great devotee, we think. Who knows? Maybe we think you're not much of a devotee, but we don't act like that. <laughs> so strip yourself of everything. Sit and just chant. Hmm? And see how long you can chant. And then you can understand how far you've advanced. And then you can understand what orientation you should have to this. Be practical. Get good guidance and go step by step. So Mother Yashoda perspired. Krishna saw she's making such effort. He allowed her to find him. She bound him to the mortar. And then she got some of the neighbor boys to come. <laughs> Foolish lady. Got some of the neighbor boys to come and stay there to watch him. Make sure nothing happened. And of course, he, they're all on his side. They're his friends. <laughs> and they're now alone in the courtyard to make mischief. So he didn't ask them to untie him, but he's just moving with that, tied to that mortar, and comes up to those two big trees standing in the courtyard. Long, long time. Now look there, Manigriva, by the mercy of Narada. They're standing there seeing everything. They stood there. They saw everything in Krishna Leela. And when Krishna pulled the trees down, he went, he lodged the mortar between the two trees and pulled. Did Mother Yashoda's ribbon break? It's only a ribbon from her hair. No, the trees broke. How strong is that ribbon hmm? of her life? So strong, unbreakable. And Krishna's friends, oh, they're having a great time watching this. Trees come crashing, and they were big, big trees. It made a thunder when they crashed. And everybody, what happened? Racing over to, as I said, everybody for the most part was out. Village ladies had been coming back, and they were there, but all the men came back, and on the march running back. What happened? These trees crashed. These were big trees. They, before anybody came, of course, the Nalukulaya Managu came out. They went somewhere. They went. They went. They went to the east, direction of the gods. They escaped. They went out. They actually went back to Godhead. They appeared in the Nityalila of Krishna. This Snigdakanta and Madhukanta, two minstrels, two bards, minstrels. And they had omniscience, power of omniscience. And in the Aprakat Lila, then, when they came, they were related in the Lila to Tananda Maharaj in a distant way. When they came to to Braj, he made a big assembly. This is in the Deva Leela, Aprakat Leela, Unmanifest Leela. He had a big assembly known on the Maharaj and called them in to let, entertain us. Oh, these famous bards would come. Let's hear them entertain us. And they, they, can, they would sing songs about life and about people and so forth. And they were the kind of people that would compose Yashumati Nandana Brajavaranagara like Thakur Bhakti, you know, these kind of songs. And put Krishna's pastimes in the song for your house, for your family, this kind of thing they would do, so. So Nandamara said, so you, uh, we're fortunate to have you here. You have a reputation. Entertain us. But we don't want to hear just your, your music making. We, we've heard that you're omniscient. We want to test that. Therefore, we want you to sing. Put the song, Our Lives. See if you know them. They knew them. They were those two trees. They knew everything. Standing in the courtyard, towering over the brudge, they could see everything. They began to tell the whole Leela. Narrate the Leela to Nanda Maharaj. 
Yashoda and a whole assembly of Brajbasis, Krishna and Ram sitting in there, and all of the friends and uh, gopis on the other side, and Nanda Maharaj and Yashoda Maya just stunned. They knew everything. They knew their hearts. And in the course of their narration, when they came to this Damodar Leela, then the Nanda Maharaj said, what happened to those trees? And then they admitted, that's us. We were those trees. <laughs> what blessing they got from Narada Muni. What is the power of the blessing of a sadhu? They were so criminal in their activity that Narada gave them such a blessing. They were born as trees with this chastisement in a courtyard of Nanda Maharaj. The trees went down. Everybody came. Huge problem. Trees have fallen. Looking, and there they find, in the midst of all this, there's Krishna, right next to the tree. Oh, that could have fallen on him. He runs and embraces Nanda Maharaj. He said, who did this? Who tied you up like this? My mother. <laughs> what? <laughs> mother is sort of now hiding in her bedroom. Oh my God, what have I done? What have I done? My son, he doesn't love me anymore. I've tied him up like this. He could have been hit by the trees. Huh. Nandamarsh takes Krishna in. Nandamarsh has come. Nandamarsh takes him and Ram on his lap. Alright, stay with me. We'll go, to the, we'll go to the cow shed, get some milk, milk the cows, and come in and we'll take the milk cooker, we'll put some rock candy in there so it's sweet. It was sweetened because, after all, it's mother showed us breast milk is very sweet. That's what he's used to taking. So Mother Rohini says, well, anyway, Krishna, don't you want to go and, and see your mother? No, I don't want to see her. She's mean. She tied me up. How will you drink milk? I'll, I will drink with Nanda Baba. With dad. We put sugar in it. Rock candy in it. This way he's protesting and resisting and, and then Nanamarsh says, How could she do that? Do you want me to? He raises his hand. Then Krishna jumps off his lap and runs into Mother Yashoda's arms in her room. Because of course he loves her. This is all the play of love. So Mother Yasoda is such a good example for us in so many ways. And this Leela is so important to us in so many respects from a philosophical point of view, just that we might hear it and be charmed by that ideal of Braj Bhakti in general, some general attraction. Then it will crystallize in time in a specific way, and we'll know what to do. So I wanted to say something about this in relation to the household life and the fact that it was the Damodar month, so... My humble advice to your humble household, where I've been kindly invited a new house, make your house a home. House alone is not a home. Make your house a home, a place for going home. And for home-going, home-knowing persons are required, so you should invite home-knowing persons to your house to have discussions like this, so that the house can truly become a home. Home is in the heart. And sometimes when uh, you gather together with devotees and uh, an advanced devotee can speak, then he'll say things that just, we say, hit home. I mean, they touch touches our heart. Home is in the heart. So to turn you uh, inward. And that's what uh, the two of you who live here who have invited me, that's what you have to do in your relationship. You have to go in order to take advantage of married life and see all of the problems of married life as opportunities to make spiritual progress, to work it out, to sacrifice, and to get to know uh, one another 
beneath the skin. And you should be attached to someone, both of you, more than you are yourself, someone of spiritual consequence that represents Krishna. Like in Vrindavan, everyone's attached to Krishna more than anyone else in a sense, so then that's why everything works. <laughs> so attach yourself to a saintly person and love one another. And then you find, in due course of time, you find detachment comes about naturally, happily, maturely. And you can enter into more the fire of the the senses rather than the sense objects at some point. So, I'm very grateful for your invitation. Any question? Well, let's see. Well, that's a good question, but Ramdas usually has a question. He does tonight also. Uh, um, I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit about that um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur and her Kali Yuga recommends householder life. Hmm. But his son and follower, Shilabhati Sarasati, created this sannyas ashram. Mm-hmm. So if I speak about that. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I had an interesting experience in that regard because in 1975, Prabhupada gave me sannyas, and a few months later, I was in Chicago, and, and Prabhupada came there for the rathiyatra that they were having there. And a godbrother of mine named Jayatirtha Prabhu, who was a householder and a member of the governing body commission of ISKCON, he was there. And as I was mentioning earlier, as a young sannyasi, I was a little enthusiastic I used to give some of those kind of heavy classes that made the ladies cry. And um, there, was a, there was a man named uh, Donavere, a devotee named Donavere, and he uh, was a little interested in taking sannyas, and I was encouraging him, although he was married, but he didn't have any children. And he was an integral part to the Los Angeles temple in Jayatirtha Prabhu's eyes. So here I had been encouraging this fellow, and so Jayatirtha went to talk to Prabhupada and said, you know, that sometimes these sannyasis, they encourage young men to take sannyas, and, you know, they're, they're rendering valuable services, grihastas, in the community. And uh, this man, Donavir, for example, has been encouraged by somebody, he didn't mention my name, to take sannyas. And I just think that it's artificial, and uh, he, he's rendering valuable service there, as he is in the community. And then if he takes sannyas, well, his wife will be there, and he'll be somewhere else. The community will lose a valuable man, and... She'll be alone. What's the benefit of this? What's the value of this? And I was in the next room, and I was here, and I thought, wow, he's talking about me. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> but I did. <laughs> and, uh, and so I kind of like sauntered in there a little bit, and, uh, and uh, Jayatith was just kept talking to Prabhupada, and Prabhupada kept saying, well, uh, Mahaprabhu, he was only 25. And he took sannyas, and Vishnu Priya was there, and he had to leave Navadvip, and and he was giving a rebuttal, Prabhupada, to every point that Jayatirtha was raising. And he kept going and kept going, and Jayatirtha finally said, But Prabhupada, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he was a householder. And Prabhupada said, Yes, you're right. Bhaktivinoda Thakur was a householder, and he was a, a great devotee. And he kind of slumped down, and Jayatirtha He's like, he's finally, he's won his case. And then Prabhupada went, but my Guru Maharaj, he was a sannyasi. 
and Jack just went, like that, that was the end of the conversation. So I took it that Prabhupada knew that it was me, and there I was, this young sannyasi. So the points of Jaitya were actually good. They were valid points. But Prabhupada was encouraging me as a young sannyasi. You've done the right thing. And you know it's not so bad if you encourage other people and something like that. Now, so I, I learned. I, I appreciated the arguments of, of Jaitya actually. Prabhupada had a wonderful way of teaching, mystic way of teaching. I appreciated his arguments. And, but I wasn't, uh, wasn't discouraged at all. I was very encouraged by Prabhupada's final roar. So it's true that Bhaktivinoda Thakur very much encouraged the household life. And Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur uh, instituted the uh, sannyas and Gaudiya Vaishnavas, and he really, he really pushed on this. But um, there's different ways to think about it. The innovations of Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur were, as they are for any preacher, somewhat relative to time and circumstance, and what he saw was important for establishing the mission, giving the mission dignity, People were, the Samarta Brahmanas had more of an influence on the religious public than the Vaishnavas. And the Mayavadis were the Jagat Gurus. And they all took sannyas. So these, along these lines and with other considerations, he saw fit to establish the sannyas in a modern Gaudi Vaishnav mission. And he thought it would bring dignity. The right persons were given sannyas and this kind of same idea that Mahaprabhu took sannyas to bring attention to himself, proper regard and so forth, where it had not been. So it was kind of a ploy. So if you look at the the reasoning behind it, what he was trying to accomplish, then to the extent you understood that, you're at some liberty to make some adjustment in how you will preach in the present times to accomplish the same thing. So it's it's possible that it could shift in another direction and the, the utility of the the formal sannyas could be diminished. And we have a problem with the institution of sannyas and Gaudiya Vaishnavism that many, many men have taken sannyas and there's not a lot of regard for that institution amongst the collective of the devotees because so many abuses are there. And the householders, their score isn't much better really, but, you know, they kind of got a license, well, we're fallen, so, you know, if we're fallen, then we're fallen, you know, we already are fallen, so it's not a problem, but but actually the whole thing is a problem, because if it has turned in a direction where there's an artificial emphasis on renunciation, this is what Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur had in mind, if it's gone in that direction, and it's possible we could conjecture like that, given the track record, then two things are happening here. The young men that are taking sannyas, are in an artificial position, and the preaching to the Grihasta ashram is also artificial and out of balance. That's why they're coming out of it artificially. So you're losing on both ends. You don't have people with real eligibility for sannyas in that position, and the Grihasta ashram isn't getting the kind of preaching and nourishment that it needs to be wholesome and spiritually progressive. So that's what I have to say about it, basically, that um, given the circumstances, I think it would be good to shift some emphasis perhaps back in the direction in which Bhaktivinoda Thakur emphasized. But I don't, I'm not saying we should do away with the Sanyas institution, but I'm saying that these are time and place, circumstance, considerations for preaching. And um, times and circumstance, place, change. So, a little short kirtan and then prasadam? Okay. Go, Premanandu. Very good.